You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Here's today's spoken edition of Wired. Fighting a wildfire in Texas. Building a network to connect 40 million people to the Internet. Cutting pollution with chainsaws. Hear Chubb customers tell their stories at chubb.com slash podcast. And stay tuned after the show to hear how a sinkhole swallowed eight priceless sports cars. Review. Microsoft Surface Book 2 by David Pierce. The Surface Book 2 is a serious computer for serious business and for playing hours of Assassin's Creed. Microsoft's Surface devices defy easy description. Even Microsoft itself has never quite known what to call them. It's the one device for everything in your life. It's a tablet that can replace your laptop. It's powerful as a laptop, lighter than air. It's powered by beautiful. In reality, the Surface is all those things and none of them. The Surface Book 2, on the other hand, is really only one thing. A laptop. A beefy, fast, get-shit-done laptop. Sure, the screen detaches in case you feel like carrying around a giant pane of glass, but this is no tablet. If anything, the Surface Book is closer to a hybrid of a laptop and a desktop PC, as Microsoft tries to pack as much power as possibly into a relatively portable package. This is a serious computer for serious business. It's for people who work in Photoshop and Premiere and CAD. It's for people doing computational photography, inventing the algorithms of the future, and making wacky augmented reality apps. And Microsoft hopes that by letting you use it any way you want, with a keyboard, with a pen, even with your finger, you'll get even more done. Me? I've mostly just been using it to play games. Business in the front. The look of the Surface Book 2 hasn't changed much since last year's model. It's still the same silvery brushed metal, has the same curling hinge that leaves a small gap between the two parts when you close the laptop, it has a roomy keyboard, and a glassy smooth touchpad. It's a great-looking machine, right along the same lines as the MacBook Pro. I'm glad Microsoft didn't try to change it too much. This year's model does come in a new 15-inch size for the truly power-hungry power users. That model weighs 4.2 pounds, compared to about 3.5 for the smaller device, a little more or less depending on which internals you choose. Both have gorgeous high-res displays, run Windows 10, support pen input, and the rest. Generally speaking, they're just the same device in two sizes. 
Both are big computers, but they're not so big or odd that they'd look out of place in a business setting. Microsoft imagines four different modes for the Surface 2. The first is a laptop mode, which needs no explanation. The second is tablet mode, which you get by pressing the button and detaching the screen from the base. You lose some processing power, but still have a perfectly usable, humongous tablet. The third is view mode, where you flip the screen around and use it like a picture frame, which you'll probably never do. Last and maybe most interesting is what Microsoft calls studio mode. Flip the screen over, lay it down on top of the base, and use it like a drawing table. In that mode, you're still getting the full power of the Surface Book, but all in a touchscreen. It's the most fun digital drawing tool I've ever had, and I suspect there's a lot more developers can do with it. Building a laptop that can do everything forces some tricky decisions. Which ports do people need? Where should buttons go? Microsoft got most things right, but not all. I like having two regular USB ports and an SD card slot. But for a machine I'm going to have for years, one USB-C port and zero Thunderbolt jacks doesn't feel like enough. And why is there no place to store a pen? To accommodate the detachability, the headphone jacks located on the upper right corner of the screen, a bizarre spot when you're in laptop mode, ditto the power button on the upper left, which I never find on the first try. Neither really make a difference, and both are eminently understandable given how many forms the book 2 can take, but they're just a little annoying. Speed Racer. The review unit Microsoft sent me is the top-of-the-line Surface Book 2, 15-inch, 3240x2160 display. Inside, it has Intel's brand-new 8th-generation Core i7 processor, 16 gigs of RAM, NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1060 discrete graphics with 6 gigs of GDDR5 graphics memory, a terabyte of storage. Normally, I wouldn't mention these specs, because normally spec lists don't really matter. Here, they're kind of the point. The Surface Book 2 starts at $1,500, and the rig I'm running costs $3,300. I ran the Book 2 through a battery of benchmarks and tests, and it came out looking like a high-end laptop, in most performance metrics, it's roughly in line with the latest MacBook Pro, which is to say it's extremely fast and up to almost any task. That's hardly surprising. Most premium computers use similar parts to similar effect. Microsoft makes a lot of noise about how powerful the Book 2 is, but that's mostly about its versatility. It's not that it does things better than the MacBook Pro, but that thanks to the pen input and detachable screen, it can just do more things. In practice, all that power means everything about the Book 2 runs super smoothly. Though not at first, when I first got the computer, it wasn't configured to take advantage of the beefy graphics card. So even when I played games, it was trying to use the graphics integrated into the processor and struggling. Once I updated NVIDIA's drivers and told the Book 2 to use the chip, the thing screamed. I played Assassin's Creed Origins at high settings with virtually no problems whatsoever, and ran my usual cadre of browser tabs, Photoshop windows, and Netflix sessions without so much as a hiccup. Amazingly, the Book 2 runs virtually silently through it all. Only once did I manage to get the fan really whirring, and that was while I was running benchmarks. Microsoft likes to quote 17 hours of battery for the Book 2, but that's only if you're doing things that you don't need a Book 2 to do. For playing games, it's more like a few hours. During regular, intensive work... The book has really lasted me through a workday, but I've never gotten anywhere near 17 hours out of this thing. 
There's a lot happening inside the Surface Book 2, and Microsoft has a lot of ideas about what you might do with it. But fundamentally, it's a laptop. A powerful, pretty laptop with pen support and a detachable screen. Microsoft's big idea for gadgets is that it shouldn't tell you what to do or how to do it. It should give you as many tools as possible and just let you go to work. The Surface Book 2 is way too expensive and way too much for most people. It's a serious tool for serious work. And for serious Assassin's Creed sessions after work is over. This podcast was made possible by Chubb. Hear how a sinkhole opened up under the National Corvette Museum. Right now. Betty called me at six in the morning. She thought it was a fire. It was worse. A sinkhole opened up under our museum. Eight priceless Corvettes had plunged into it. Chubb was there within hours. They helped make sure it was safe. We had everyone we needed to get our museum back up and running. And we opened the next day. Hear more stories at chubb.com slash podcast. Hope you enjoyed this spoken edition of Wired News. And if you'd like more, search for Wired Science and Wired Business. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.